Strike 145. I'll remember that. And that is so wonderful. Adam, I wish I was a, a, a non-banjo uh, player like your nephew. Uh, I, I, I'd really appreciate to be able to do that, just like he doesn't. But, but uh, how wonderful. Thank you guys so much. You blessed our heart, and uh, you, you've sung songs that minister to us and in a way that ministers to us also. So thank you guys so much. We appreciate you being here and uh, see the love of the Lord in your heart and through your song and through your music. And I just want to tell you how much we appreciate that so much. Wow. Listen, I don't know where to start to preach this morning except about Jesus. So turn in Colossians chapter 1 and we're going to focus on our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ this morning. You know, when we begin to think about all the scripture that says uh, things about our Lord, it's amazing what's revealed of Him. You know, whether we confess it or whether or not we live it, it still doesn't change the reality that Jesus Christ is number one. That there's no one like Him. There's never been or never will be anyone like Jesus Christ. He is, the Bible calls Him preeminent. To be preeminent means to be number one. Uh, That uh, it's not up to our vote or our choosing Him to be number one, but He is because of who He is. He is that preeminent one. And so this morning I want us to focus on that today and how the Bible reveals that to us. You see, the greatest revelation that we have about God is through Jesus Christ Himself. That we know God because God the Son came and manifested God to us through His life and through what He's done for us. The Apostle Paul writes about that very thing. Uh, John writes something about it also when he says this in John chapter 1. He says, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. So John says that Jesus has declared to us who who God is. Uh, Hebrews goes on and kind of amplifies that very thought when he says, when it says, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, but in these last days has spoken to us by His Son, Jesus Christ. And so we know God because God came to save us. God came to offer His life on the cross of Calvary and Jesus Christ and to redeem us from our sins. And so because of who He is, He is number one. Uh, And He should be in how we practically live our lives and how we testify of Him. I want you to follow, if you would, just a few verses in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15. I want to read through verse 18. We're going to pray and come back and think about Jesus being number one. It says this, He is the image of the invisible God, The firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Bow with me if you would and let's pray. Lord, thank you today for this wonderful music that's ministered our hearts today. That's lifted up you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for those who've come and sang and given their time. Pray your blessings be on them and their ministry in the future, Lord. And Father, we just pray this morning that as we open your word, that you'll open our heart. And that as our hearts open to you, that we'll hear your truth. Father, that we'll accept it and understand it and, Lord, just be excited about what we know today. 
Father, I just pray for the effective power that your word has, that it be real in our lives today. Pray and ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. As you begin to look, first of all, at what Paul begins to write and say about Jesus and him being number one, there's some very specific areas that he gives us that Jesus is number one in. And as we begin to realize that, it opens our understanding. But first of all, if you look at verse 15, Paul says that Jesus is preeminent or he's number one when it comes to revelation. In other words, God revealing himself is that he is preeminent in the fact that he's the best way that we can know God, that he's the practical way that God came himself to give us understanding about who he is. Now, there's some areas that we can really focus on. And one of those areas is, is that, that his witness is a revelation to us. In other words, how Jesus lived his life becomes a revelation or it becomes a way that we can understand what God's character is, what his expectations are, what his priorities are. And so we just look at Jesus' life and we see God through that. You know, when I begin to think about that, I remember that Jesus had a time when he was about to be turned over into the hands of sinful men, be crucified. And they were together with his disciples in the upper room and he was having a conversation with them. And in Jesus' loving way, he wanted to encourage the disciples and not leave them in despair. And so he said some things to them and he reminded them, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. You remember, you believe in God, believe also in me. And he goes on to talk about houses or homes or places in, in, the, in heaven that the Father is preparing for them. And then he went on to tell them that he was the way, the truth, and life. And all of a sudden, out of that, the, the disciples raised some questions. And one of those, Philip asked him, he says, Lord, show us the Father. It's sufficient for us. Right? You know, just show us, open up heaven and open up everything. And let us just look into heaven and see the Father. And so here's what Jesus replied. He says, if I've been with you so long that you have not known me, Philip? He says, he who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show me the Father? You know, Jesus said, hey, you want to see the Father? Look at me. <laughs> you want to know what, 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 what God looks like? Look at me. If you want to know the compassion of God, look at my compassion. If you want to know the wisdom of God, look at the wisdom that, that I've, I've shown you. If you want to know how to have relationships, how to love each other, how to function in this world, look at how I did that. And all of a sudden, you're going to see how God relates to the world that he created. So you and I, we have those big questions, don't we? You know, Lord, how, what am I supposed to do about this? Or how am I supposed to make this decision? Or how am I supposed to live my life in these certain set of circumstances? Well, let me just say this more. Look at Jesus. Let's look at Jesus. You want to see how God responds to life? Look at Jesus Christ. So it's his witness that becomes revelation. Not only that, but I think it's his work that becomes revelation for us as well. What did he do? You know, how did Jesus live out that life and his ministry and, and the work that he did, you know, gives testimony of who he is as well. You know, every miracle, every storm that Jesus stilled, every funeral that Jesus broke up, every sick person that Jesus raised up, all give testimony to, to a loving, powerful God. So Jesus points us to, to the heart of God, doesn't he, through his work. You know, Jesus said this in John chapter 10. He said, if I do, if I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works 
that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I'm in him. Jesus said, hey, you know what? You might not be listening to what I'm saying, but listen, take, pay attention to what I'm doing. Our life speaks volumes to the people around us. And our testimony and the things that we do become really an expression of who we are. The same thing was true with Jesus, that everything that he did became an expression of God. His compassion, his love, his mercy, power, all those things. How can we testify of Jesus today as believers? (laughs) How about what we do? The impact that that has in people's lives. You know, not only his witness and his works really showed his ability to give a revelation of God. But let me give you one last thing. How about his word? (laughs) How the word is, his word is revelation. You know, the Bible says, John writes, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. Verse 14, he says, and the word became flesh. And dwelled among us that we might be, and we beheld the glory of the only begotten of God, full of grace and truth. You see, the Word of God can't be separated from the Son of God. That the Word of God and the Son of God are, 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 are so connected with each other that they can't be separated because Jesus Christ is the living Word. So when you and I as believers come to the Bible and we, we, we open God's Word, we're really opening the heart and the mind of Jesus Christ. They can't be separated. Jesus lived out the Word to, to perfection and because the Word was alive in Him. And so the same thing as believers that we, we ought to realize that the Word should be alive in us as well. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my Word abides in you, in other words, if, if I live in you and my word lives in you, and if you're living in my word, that whatever you ask will be done for you. You wonder why we struggle and why we sometimes live wanting and lacking. Maybe it's because the word isn't abiding in us and we're not abiding in the word. And so Jesus reminds us of all these things that, that he is the number one revelation of God. No greater understanding of God that we'll have than focusing our life on Jesus Christ. Well, let me give you a second thing. Not only is he number one in Revelation, but let me tell you, Jesus is number one in creation. When it comes to creation, Paul says, hey, listen, think about these things about creation. What a great debate that's going on in our culture today about creation. All kinds of ideas about creation. Well, I want to tell you, God settled it. Paul wrote about it in, in, in Colossians, and he says, here, let me settle this issue of creation. It's not evolution, but it's God who created everything. How simple is that? So when we think about it, he's number one when it comes to creation. Look at verse 16. First of all, he's sovereign over creation. Uh, if you see, Paul writes, he says, for by him all things were created. How simple is that, isn't it? I mean, by God, all things were created. We can debate it. We can argue it. We can try to uh, diminish it as human beings in the culture we live in today. But let me tell you, we cannot deny that all that was created is created by God. For by Him, all things are created. It's the answer to the creation question, isn't it? Is that God created everything and he's, He's sovereign over it because He created, it belongs to Him. Psalmist says that the, the, the earth and the fullness thereof is His. Everything, all the things and all the people of the earth and everything in the sky and the heavens belong to God because He created it. 
He owns it by creation. And, and so he's, he's number one in creation. He, listen, look at verse 16. He chose the substance of creation, what he would create. It's pretty cool. Listen, he says in verse 16, he goes on and he says, um, uh, For him all things were created uh, that, that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. So God chose what to create. You ever wonder why we have a heaven? God chose to create heaven. Do you ever wonder why there's so many things that affect our lives that we can't see or we can't quantify or we can't touch? Why? Because God chose to create it that way. God created the visible and the invisible. He created heaven and earth. He created the stars that are in the sky, all the galaxies, everything that it is, God created. There's nothing that is that God didn't create. And so He chose that. And so when you look out at God's creation, you see the stars, the flowers, the grass, or whatever excites you about creation, God created that. He chose to create that. Maybe He chose it for you. I don't know. But He chose to create those things that give us hope and that excite our imagination and that touches our heart and that speaks to us about His power and His His preeminence. He chose to create it all. Now, you might look out in creation and say, Lord, why in the world did you create mosquitoes? <laughs> what, what, what about roaches? <laughs> you know, Lord, could you have done something different there? That's his imagination. And that's what he chose to create. And along with that, he created the sunsets and the sunrises and the stars in the sky. He chose those things to create. The substance. Not only that, but he is, he's also... The source of creation. It all came from Him. It, it all began with Him and, and it all flows through Him. Uh, verse 17 says, He is before all things and in Him all things consist. In other words, He created everything that it came from Him. Uh, verse 17 talks about the fact that not only is He the source, but also He's the one who sustains creation. That everything that exists and, and in, the, in the unity and the complexity of all of creation, God controls it all, all the time. Because He's God. I mean, He's that way. It's amazing to me that things don't bump into each other or things don't happen the way that, you know, when we take control, there's wrecks and there's tragedy and there's all those things. But when God's in control, there's absolute order and perfection because He sustains everything in life, you know, I've had times in my life when I wondered, Lord, are you really in control? You know, what about the loss? And what about my pain? What about the things that I'm struggling with? Are you sure you're in control? And the answer is always yes. Yes. Because God is always working on our behalf for our good, He's in control. And He sustains us. And so He's number one when it comes to creation. So if you wonder why we're in this beautiful world and why we're in this life and why we have the hope of a future heaven and all those things, it's because God is number one. Jesus is number one. And then let me give you one last thing as we close. Is that Jesus is number one in the church. He's number one in the church. Look at verse 18. It says, And He is the head of the body, the church. You see, we're the body, the church, 
And Jesus Christ is the head. And listen to me. If you don't hear anything else today that I've said, listen to this. If the church stops being about Jesus, then it stops being a church. If we stop staying focused on Him and glorifying Him, then we stop being a church. We're not a church anymore. We're something else. And so He is the head of the church. Why? In His relationship with the church. Uh, Scripture says that He's the head of the church. Right? In other words, I don't know about you, but the head directs. Right? I mean, it gives assignments. Your head, if it's awakened in the morning, sometimes it's slower than your body about getting awake. Right? <laughs> Think about, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to catch up with my body, but, but if you drink enough coffee, you're not, no. Uh, but but <laughs> you get up and finally that thoughts get flowing, your mind gets working, then it directs your body. Right, it, it tells it what's important today and what we're going to do today and what's our attitude going to be today, right? You know, wouldn't it be great if we had the mind of Christ in us as Paul says? <laughs> then, then our attitude might be a whole lot different, say, tomorrow morning when we go to school or go to work or whatever is because he's directing our body because he's the head. He determines what's important, doesn't he? Where we ought to invest our life. What we ought to be doing. Uh, All those kind of things. Because He is the head. And He is the head of the body of the church. Because of His relationship. Uh, If you look a little bit further and deeper into verse 18. It's not only is He number one in the church because of His relationship. But He's number one in the church because of His resurrection. Listen, verse 18 says this. It says the firstborn from the dead. Firstborn from the dead. In other words, Jesus, His resurrection is the first resurrection of its kind. You say, Brother Mike, what about Lazarus? What about those other people that were raised in the dead in the Bible, even before Jesus was raised in the dead? They weren't raised like Jesus was. Not, not with a glorified body. Not, not, not with a body that's going to be with Him. The Bible, 1 Corinthians 15 says that He's the first fruits of the resurrection. And the first fruits of the resurrection are this. Anytime you see first fruits, no matter where it is, it's always the first of more to come. You know, if you go out in the garden and, and, and it's early in the summer and you see that tomato that's almost ripe and a day later you come out and it's ripe and you pluck that first one, that's the first fruits. But listen, that's just a testimony or a promise that there's going to be more later. And Jesus' resurrection is a guarantee that later on there's going to be many more resurrections. The Bible says that when He comes in the air and when the trumpet of God sounds, the Bible says the dead in Christ are going to be raised first. In other words, those He brings with Him that are already absent from the body, present with the Lord, are, are, are going to come with Him and He's going to raise that body and glorify that body and unite that soul spirit with that body and they're going to live in that body eternally and if we're alive here on this earth, then He's going to change us. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we're going to be changed and we're all going to be gathered up together to meet Him in the air. And that's the resurrection. And that's what Paul is saying here, is that he's number one in the church because he's number one in his relationship, he's the head, but also he's number one because of his resurrection. Because like him, we're all going to be raised. The Bible says the same power is going to raise us up that raised him up. Same likeness that we're going to have that he's raised to that we'll be raised to. I don't know about you, but as a believer, you ought to shout about that. I mean, amen. 
That's, that's something that only you and I have or other believers have because of Jesus Christ's grace and his love that he would die for us, bear his sins on himself, and pay the penalty so that we can live and have that resurrected body. That's why Jesus is number one in the church. That's why he's preeminent. Because of who he is. He's the redeemer. Now listen, the only really thing that really matters here this morning, really, is that is Jesus number one in your life? Is he first in your life today? You see, life only really works when Jesus is number one. Listen, I'm not, you can live, you know. You can exist. You can have some sort of life. Every now and then you can have a measure of happiness. I'm not saying that. You'd be a good person. All those kind of things. But you really can't live until Jesus Christ is preeminent, number one in your life today. So the big question is this morning, is He number one in your life today? Is He head of your life? You see the revelation of your life. Does he show you what really matters to live for? Does he do that for you? If he is, then what a celebration we have here this morning. But if he's not, I want to encourage you he ought to be. Bow with me if you would this morning. We're going to pray.